Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Happy Father's Day. I love you all with the love of Christ. I'm so happy to be here today to talk to you about fathers and, and uh, fathers who have gone before and our Father in heaven. You know, it began in the very beginning. The first man was set apart to be special and kind of in charge of the garden and the family and all of that. And we see that down through the ages, that fathers, spiritual fathers and natural fathers, have a leadership role. And when they follow the precepts of God, and they don't always, but when they follow the precepts of God, they are models of our Father in heaven. And that's what God did by giving us our earthly fathers. He gave us an example, an illustration of what he's like that we could understand and relate to. Now, I understand that not all fathers are good fathers nor very good illustrations, but the idea is there, the concept of the greater strength, the greater size the greater capabilities in many instances, and in uh, a, a courage, uh, and even a combativeness from time to time to get it done. That's what our Father in heaven is like. So thanks be unto the Lord for our fathers, our dads. We have had many spiritual fathers all through the Old Testament, all of the the prophets and the kings and those were spiritual fathers to us, the for, given to us for a specific purpose, many different things, but the specific purpose of telling us the truth about God, telling us whereby we ought to live our lives and telling us by voice and actions how we ought to live out before the Lord our God. Thanks be unto the Lord that he had some of them write down his precepts and his commands and desires for us in this book, this, this Bible. How precious and wonderful a thing this is for us, the Word of God written that we might go to it whenever we are able and learn there of our Father's love. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ chose spiritual fathers for us in the disciples and some others that were not amongst the twelve to also write for us and to model for the new church what Christ wants of us, and what he has for us, both in this life and in the life to come. And one of those fathers was John the Apostle. John was called to do much of the writing of the New Testament. 
in his gospel letters and revelation. And he was the disciple of his own admonition that Jesus loved. You know, there were these concentric circles of relationship around Jesus. There was the 500 and some disciples. There were the 70 of an inner group that were sent out and given special capabilities. And there were the 12 disciples of Jesus who were close, closer than all the others. And within those 12, there were three, James, John, and Peter. And within those three, there was one that Jesus had a special relationship with, and that was John the Apostle. He wrote the Gospel of John, probably in the neighborhood of something like 75 to 85 A.D., Uh, We know that it was after the destruction of Jerusalem, and we know that John passed into eternity somewhere around 95 to 100 A.D., so somewhere in there he wrote his messages to us, the Word of God as revealed to him by God, the Holy Spirit. And it's the Gospel of John that we have chosen to take the next several weeks and look at very carefully. We're not going to go through it from front to back, burn it like a cigarette. We're going to jump around as each each, uh, uh, preacher is led by God. We're going to look at some high points. And I'd like to start by reading a quote by William Hendrickson, uh, editor of the New Testament commentary, he says this. These are part of the reasons why we've chosen John for this specific time. The gospel according to John is the most amazing book that was ever written. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. This may well be the attitude of anyone who steps upon the threshold of the study of this book. For the faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God has received glorious confirmation. The reason for this will become clearer immediately. The book tells us that evidently in the days of the emperor Tiberius and of the tetrarch Herod Antipas, there was living in the land of Palestine a Jew named Jesus, who claimed that he was the rightful owner of all things, the bread of life, the living water, the good shepherd who would give his life for his sheep, the one who would rise and raise the dead, At the last day, the very Messiah, the way to God, the proper object of faith and worship, a person so completely 
and in every sense divine that he was able to say, I and the Father are one. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling John. Jesus, thanks for enlivening the spirit of John and giving him such wisdom and and, uh, intellect and, and faith. We thank you for this book, and we ask that as we go through it, that you will bless us and that we will be a blessing to you in your kingdom. And we pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Jesus, when he started his ministry, of course, did things that were out of the ordinary, to say the least, particularly in the very staunch and staid and method of life that the Jews were living in in the time that the Messiah came. It's one of the primary themes of the book of John is that Jesus is the sought-after and long-awaited Messiah. Jesus is teaching that faith and trust in God is the way to salvation. Faith and trust in Him. Believe in the Father, believe also in the Son. That's a second and foremost theme of the book of John, is that people can have everlasting life, can live forever and ever in the presence of God, not like this, not like we're currently in the presence of God, where we don't, we don't have much uh, feeling about his presence. We have no perception of his presence other than spiritually, but actually, actually in the presence of God where we feel him, his magnificence, his love, his care, and can see his loving face forever and ever and ever by faith and trust in the Messiah Jesus, the Savior. John writes in the back of his book that these things are written that you might know. And the word in the Greek is gnosko, a word that means completely or fully, that you might know completely and fully and truly that you have everlasting life. It's a purpose. Number three for the book, written so that you might know, so that you might have confidence that you might have peace and joy and abundance of life here and now. And in all of that teaching about those things, the leaders of the Jews, particularly in Jerusalem, were interested in Jesus not in a good way. For people were following after him, and there was, this, there was this desire to get the people back, a jealousy among the leaders of the Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests. 
and they determined that they would have to end this new teaching and this relational gospel, good news that was going out from Jesus. But there were many, many witnesses to what Jesus was doing in his miracles, in his wonders, and in his healings and all that, that nobody could discount. And there were some, probably few, but there were some in the leadership that were interested in the right way. One of them, a man named Nicodemus, came to talk to Jesus one evening. And I read from John 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. So a Pharisee, so... A couple of things about Pharisees. One is that he believed in a resurrection. He believed in the whole of the Old Testament as the Bible and the Word of God. But he also believed that he was better than others. He believed by his lifestyle that he had a better outcome in the kingdom of God than others. He was a ruler of the Jews, which means he was on the Sanhedrin, the ruling body. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, by night has been discussed in books many times over, Probably his stature in the community made him not want to be seen coming to this new rabble-rouser in any other way than provocative. So he probably comes by night for that purpose. Rabbi, which means teacher, so he acknowledges, Nicodemus acknowledges that Jesus is a teacher. We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He said, we know. All of the Sanhedrin know. All of the people know. They just don't want to accept it. They're just not convinced. But maybe Nicodemus is convinced. Jesus answered him. Notice how Jesus cuts right across this thing. First of all, Nicodemus is building him up like one would anybody who's in authority or special. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge that. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can 
he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus says it in just a little bit. He says to Nicodemus, if I speak to you in earthly things and you don't understand, how will you ever stand? How will you ever understand if I speak to you heavenly things? Being born again is an earthly thing. It's faith and trust given to us by God here and now in this life. You only get this one life to believe and trust in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the way, truth, and the life. And Nicodemus is thinking about physical things. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. A lot of teaching about this one, of water and the Spirit. People see two things there. Sometimes they see the water as as physical birth and the Spirit as spiritual birth, coming of the Holy Spirit. But in Matthew and Mark and Luke, they all talk about the water and the Spirit together concerning baptism. So it's an outward sign and an inward work that has taken place in the person who will be saved. The inward work coming first, the trust and faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel. So, he's marveling. You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This thing is difficult to understand. This speciality, this holiness, this being set apart in the world, different from the world, different from other people, it's difficult to understand because we look like everybody else. But we're different. Jesus told Nicodemus, no, this whole thing is captured in the heart. It's not reasoned out by the mind. It hits us in our very motivation. We see an extreme example of this wind blowing and this inability of humankind to understand the wind of the Holy Spirit in Philip when he's translated from the chariot of the eunuch all the way to the the Mediterranean Sea. Instantly, 
moved physically and spiritually to a different place. That may or may not ever happen to us. But the reason why we do things, John says, that Jesus said, is that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. That's why we make the choices we make. When we make choices that glorify God, we are like the wind. The world cannot see where it comes from or where it's going. They don't understand it at all. Why would somebody make that choice? Why didn't they just grab all the gusto they could get? Why didn't they just put themselves forward to be the biggest thing, the biggest shot they could possibly be? Why would they let somebody else get all the credit? Why would they let somebody else get the honor and the glory? Why would they do that? Because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the wind of the Holy Spirit that causes us to be humble, powerfully strong in that spirit, but humble and gentle and meek. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, the teacher of Israel? So on the Sanhedrin, there were people, like in many directorships, there's somebody that speaks into with wisdom and intelligence. That was Nicodemus. That was Nicodemus, who was kind of one of the last words for the Sanhedrin. Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we, and he includes himself, the Father, the Spirit, and the disciples, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. That's the reason why they didn't believe. They didn't receive it. They didn't believe it. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And here's a heavenly thing. This is a heavenly thing. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is the book of John. It's full of wisdom and encouragement, it's full of information. It's a blessing. To read it. John wrote that into his last book of Revelation, which he wrote probably around the end of his life, around AD 90, 95. He said, You cannot add to or you cannot take away from this book without penalties, for this is the Word of God. Let us 
decide right now, be we earthly dads or moms, be we children, that right now we are going to believe with all of our hearts and souls. We are going to believe that there is one way to heaven and one way to life everlasting and one way to abundant life here on this earth and to follow Jesus Christ as he would have us follow him. Notice, I didn't say, as we decide to follow him. I did say, as John the Apostle wrote, that we should follow him. So let us take up this book together. Let us read it and study it and follow it and take it to heart and put it into practice in our lives. We will be the better for it. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for choosing men and women to be leaders to show us the way, for we falter oh, uh, too quickly and too easily. But help us take up this book. Help us to study and put it into practice in our lives and commit our lives on a daily basis to following your word. O oh, Lord Jesus Christ, Savior of all, this is our prayer in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.